This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. What's a cicerone? A chicharron is a it's a type of food. Welcome to Bitter Units, a beer podcast hosted by the Tailgate Society and sponsored by Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce, the best goddamn barbecue sauce on the known universe, or in the known universe, maybe not on it, could be on it, probably be tasty anyway, but we are back with yet another episode because people are listening, so we're going to keep drinking, that's what we do. We do have a special guest again this evening, and I'm going to go ahead and let Tim rock and roll with uh, introduction yeah absolutely tonight we actually are very grateful to have my friend my former employer uh one of my boy how much do i inflate his ego here too far (laughs) but uh, tonight we are joined by michael koppelman who is the owner of badger hill brewing uh however he also has a pretty diverse background he originally got his degree from the Berkeley School of Music, I believe, Michael, that's correct? College of Music in Boston, yeah. It's not Berkeley in California. But... Yes. And uh, <laughs> and so, and then Michael worked for, for Prince for a while, uh, the, the artist, officially, at Paisley Park uh, in, in Shanhassen here in Minnesota. And after that, he, he also went on to start what was essentially the first internet service provider here in the Twin Cities. He went and got a degree in astronomy and was actually featured on a PBS documentary uh, for cosmic microwave background radiation, right? Is that correct, Michael? No. No? Okay. No, Tim. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll let you discuss that as well. And then he, he got into brewing. So Michael's done a little bit of everything. So uh, I think we, we've got a lot of things that we can talk about tonight. Plus, Michael and I just enjoy our banter. So, again, Michael, welcome. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. I enjoyed your podcast, and this is going to be fun, hopefully. And if not, you know, it's what it is. <laughs> Good. Well, I, I, I'm going to start off with my one question after that glowing introduction. And I'll probably come up with some other questions, but I didn't come in prepared, but with just this one. I'm looking forward to this. So all of those accolades, uh, accomplishments that you have, I want to know if there's anything you can't fucking do. (laughs) Personally, after hearing all that, I'm feeling a little bit inadequate and I don't like it. So can you... (laughs) Not roll your tongue, uh, maybe not ride a bike, um, have an inability to pleasure a male or female, uh, something, anything, throw us a bone. I, I, I have many things I can't do. I can't raise one eyebrow because I would rule the world if I could raise one eyebrow. Can you guys raise one eyebrow? No. 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 That's a no, JT. <laughs> I am not the rock. <laughs> no, I can't raise one eyebrow. I can't get any place on time, really, under any circumstances. I was very impressed you were here on time tonight. I thought <laughs> and I, 
don't really finish things. I get bored and start something else. So that's why my list is so long because I really didn't finish a single one of those things. Oh, well, that doesn't make me feel a whole lot better. But <laughs> it's something. I'm going to hang my hat on one of those eventually. Yeah, the eyebrow. Go with the eyebrow. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't do that either. So, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't feel a whole lot better. I wonder what the actual statistics are on that. I don't know. Maybe that can be your next field of study. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't get him started. He plots <laughs> everything out. Uh, if you if you follow him on Twitter at Low Life, uh, he has been plotting his his own data uh, collection about COVID. So uh, there's literally not a thing in the world he won't try to put a plot to. COVID, with for all its bad things, is a data miner's dream. Like trying to understand COVID is like a full time job for people. But I'm obviously an amateur, but it's kind of fun to look at the data in this once in a lifetime, hopefully thing. But yes, I like plots. <clears throat> he also has a great voice, which irritates yeah. the shit out of me too. <laughs> where, do you, well, where do you pull your data from, Michael, on all this? Because I certainly see a lot of people claiming this data is true, that data is true, this is false, this is true. It's kind of, well, social media makes it so much worse. Because you can share bad information and it goes all over the world. Well, where do you, where do you get to pull your data from, if you don't mind me asking? The John Hopkins site that a lot of people look at with the fancy dashboard has a GitHub okay. backend with all the raw data there. So um, you can just subscribe and it updates automatically as like a bunch of text files. Minnesota has their own data set. They also send stuff to John Hopkins. But these have not been lined up. So it's been really interesting because... Do you guys want to talk about this? Because I can talk about boring shit all day long. But the problem is the time yes, variable. Like, we don't know where these cases are in time. <laughs> we know how many, but not when. So, like, there's a lot of confusion about, like, yeah, we have the data, but what does it mean? And we don't fucking know. Still, we don't know. But I'm dating us because people in the future won't be in the COVID p- pandemic anymore. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. just uh, talking about that uh, the other day, actually, or maybe earlier today with somebody that we know what the total numbers are, but there's a lag in when they were tested versus when the data comes out. And we don't know. It could be two weeks. It could be three days. It could be. And that's the, the sketchy part, because I you know live here in Washington and we were in this before most people. And I don't know how many people have recovered here. We have a, a graph that shows the total number of cases and the number of deaths, but no recoveries. So how, how many are See, we, still active? You know, yeah, we, we get recoveries here in Des Moines on a daily basis or in Iowa. I can't I find them anywhere. Hot spot. Huh. Maybe, maybe Michael can find them and send them <laughs> to me, but I can't find them. So then again, I'm a dummy as per my role <laughs> on this podcast. So. The Department of Health is what's doing it in Minnesota, and it's really good data. Like, I mean, I should, you know, with all the things we're talking about, they're trying to get us as much data as they can, which is, I think, probably kind of a first. Like, we've never had a pandemic that I'm aware of that we had this much, like, data. Yeah, no, we've had other potential scares with, like, Ebola and things like that, but nothing where it's being tracked like this or any of that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not using small number statistics anymore, which is like sad, but it makes the data problem interesting. And Michael really could go on and on and on. I absolutely this. could. So well, <laughs> you can edit it out later. <laughs> we'll take that out in post. Yeah, we don't we don't edit things. Come on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's 
fascinating, like you talked about, but, but your background is, is fascinating. All the different things that you've done and, uh, you know, how do you, I guess, how do you decide what the next thing is going to be? You know, you go from music to astronomy. That's those things aren't exactly intertwined. They're not, you know, and I wanted to be like a rock star my whole life. And like music was a single minded purpose for like my formative years. Um, so I still make music and I'll probably end up back at music, you know, like midlife crises, which I'm not having, by the way, sort of bring you back to where you started from. <laughs> No, you've already had like four of those. <laughs> no little red Corvette. Four. What'd you say? You said no little red Corvette. <laughs> Unless it's a new song I write, but I think <laughs> that one got written already. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, no, when I was working for Prince, the internet was not really heard of yet. It was invented, but people were using BBSs, dialing computers with phones and stuff like that. So Prince was going to start his own BBS. And it was called The Dawn, and it was my buddy was working on it, and uh, we were like, "Fuck, that's cool!" And we started working on our own, and then we were both subsequently fired within a few months, probably of that. Not solely for that reason, in my case, but Prince did not like people doing shit that wasn't for him. So, um, us working on what became the reason I left Bitstream led me into the internet and the technology and stuff as you know, a career, I guess. And then I was like, what the fuck is calculus? Do you guys know what calculus is? I'm assuming you do. I'm not insulting you one here. Never taken it. <laughs> Failed it's, it twice. You know, not that. Took it twice. You took it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Failed both <laughs> times. That's how you end up at the <laughs> University of Wyoming. <laughs> that's where my dad went, actually. That's, my where, that's where Taco John started. In, at the University of Wyoming? In Laramie. It started Laramie, in Wyoming Cheyenne, yeah. I thought it was, che- okay, Cheyenne then, so okay. But That's it was why it's so authentic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing says authentic Mexican food like Wyoming. <laughs> Nothing says Tex-Mex like Wyoming, which is nowhere near Texas. <laughs> or, or Mexico, yes. <laughs> but anyway, just to finish my story, I was like what the fuck's calculus so then i was also using a telescope because my wife had given me one and like it led me to like you know i am a bored person like we're all bored people at times you know? i was like i want to learn more about this and that's what led me to astronomy which was really like a detour in my careers in a sense um but formative in terms of like i love the math side of life now and the science side of life and i was really not tuned into that at all so you know just that journey we're all on i'm trying to you know, keep learning. No, I just say, I'm sure the, the math side probably, or the, the science side probably helps with uh, the beer industry too. Totally. I don't think I'd be in beer if it wasn't for astronomy because I really got into the data side of brewing beer. Like when I started re-homebrewing, I was brewing, homebrewing in like the 80s, but like in the 2000s, I started homebrewing and it was all about pH and pumps and you know, manipulating things the way pro brewers do because it's fun. You get to tinker around and do crap, you know, and you can't make beer without pH and temperature and things like that. You can't make excellent beer without understanding those things. So it was kind of a natural transition to like taking something I love beer and trying to do it in a way that was like, kept my that learning experience going, you know. And Michael continues to tinker and, 
add sensors and collect all this data all over the brewery as well to almost to a, a point of annoyance, really. Uh, it, it's fantastic for a, a brewery the size of Badger Hill to be able to check, uh, you know, tank temperatures, tank pressures from home on your phone. To literally, I would sometimes set an alarm to remember, oh, I want to crash that tank, and I would be in bed changing the temperature on a tank from my phone. So there's a lot of that, but some of these devices that Michael and his team and his partners and co-conspirators have put on the, the tanks have not always necessarily been uh, rousing successes. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> it's called a, prototyping. It is called prototyping. <laughs> and sometimes you prototype on a 60-barrel batch of beer. <laughs> but uh, Sometimes brewers get annoyed when you're like, what the fuck was up with that mash temp? And they're sort of like, were you watching us? It's like, yes. Not because I don't trust you, because obviously I trust them, but it's just fun. I can see if someone's mashing in from like my data. I can see kind of what they're mashing in and like when they got in and when the second person got in and just from the data itself. And it's just fascinating to me. I, I don't know if this is true. It's probably not true, but I bet I have more data than almost any brewery on earth about brewing data. Like I've got a hundred million rows in my database of like brewing data stuff, mainly just temperature set points, you know, pump speeds and shit like that but a metric fuck ton of data that really is just sitting there and will just eventually get deleted but for <laughs> now i have the crown of like the craft brewery with the most rows of data is my guess <laughs> we'll make sure we send you a trophy <laughs> <laughs> can it look like data from star trek then would that be the trophy <laughs> yeah I like it. Good. yeah have but, you guys uh, had badger hill beer probably yeah. not you I'm live far away. So I'm not no judgment. I, I so the company that I my day job uh, is actually based in Minneapolis. Uh, a company called Sunburst Chemicals, and uh, I haven't been back to the home office in Minneapolis in almost three years. Uh, which leads me to the question of how long has Badger Hill been around? And you know, tell us a little bit about the brewery itself. Sure. Um, we started, Tim, when did we start? I think it was 2012. Yeah. So we were contract for alt prop brewing, but light contract brewing at a, another small craft brewery called Lucid Brewing. And um, I was actually working at Lucid at the time as like a grunt brewer. So I met Brock and Brett who formed Badger Hill at Lucid when they were formulating and brewing their first batches of beer. So it's kind of involved, in, but since the beginning, but not as part of their company. And it was kind of a fit between us. I was going to start a brewery. Everyone's going to start a brewery circa, you know, 2013 or so. And we ended up joining forces and opening a brewery down in Shakopee, Minnesota. So that was, we opened in like Christmas 2014. So we really like 1-1-2015 is how I think about it. With our own production facility where we were actually doing all of our own brewing on all our own equipment with a tap room. So that was 2015. So we're in our starting our six in our sixth year, I guess. Like it's you know we're not newcomers anymore, but we're just as poor and scrappy as in 2015. Probably poorer and scrappier, but we know a lot more. And you know, I'm really proud of the beer we make, and I know every brewery is going to say that. Um, we are, have been very detail oriented. We've had a 
great string of head brewers, including Tim Johnson here, who kept moving the ball on things that really matter for beer. So um, it's still a loose, fun environment, but at the same time, it's pro as fuck, you know? That's our goal, is just to make really great beer and have a great time doing it, and I think we do it. I I once made a beer for the sole purpose of pissing Michael off. It shows the heart and soul of Badger Hill, right? <laughs> what was the beer? I, we need we need to hear this story. <laughs> yeah. So well, so I like, and I know I know JT, you're not a big fan of the style, but I like Hefeweizen, and I like, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's there's one compound in particular that is common in Weizen yeast called isolamyl acetate, and it's the same. Uh, compound that they use when they flavor like banana flavored candy it is the banana flavor that you're getting out of that and michael one time offhand said banana had no place in beer and so i decided i'm going to make uh i'm going to make a hefeweizen that really the world's most banana banana yeah <laughs> yeah get like really push the esters in there and and get that and i called it there's always money in the banana stand <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little uh, a little rest development reference there. Uh, it was great. Like we had a regular that would sometimes make tap handles for us. He he does like. Do you have that, Tim? Oh, we're not doing I, video, but it's a hilarious tap handle of Tim. Like, it, what, it, as a banana, would you say? I don't it, know. Yes, my Friday face banana. My face on a banana, <laughs> uh, essentially, uh, which is pretty fantastic. And then one of our. One of our bartenders actually dressed up as a tap handle one year for <laughs> for Halloween. <laughs> Classic. But uh, and yeah. did you like the beer, Tim? I loved that beer. That's still one of my one of my favorite beers that I, I got. People who loved that style loved that beer. No question about it. I'm iffy on that style. <laughs> if, if Michael had his way, every beer on the tap list would be an IPA. Pretty much, yep. I'm a hop, a hop person. I started pro brewing, if you will, to perfect the pale ale was the way I used to describe it. Like I wanted, and we have it in my opinion. It's turncoat at Badger Hill, but a light, hoppy, like not malty, not super boozy, easy drinking, kind of fresh IPA. And um, obviously, I appreciate all kinds of beers, but I use music analogies all the time, as Tim knows, and it's like. People like fucking rock and roll or they like disco or they like rap or whatever they like. And yes, we can all venture into other things, but our heart kind of lives in a certain place. And, you know, mine is absolutely in the hoppy side of beers, you know. Nobody likes disco, though. <laughs> not true. <laughs> I guess I know that's not true. You know, Michael says that, you know, you like this or you like that or you venture. But the number of times that I've come into the brewery to hear... Anything from Nine Inch Nails to Lady Gaga uh, being played by Michael, or even him walking through uh, playing a playing Chuck Mangione on a trumpet as he walks around. <laughs> I like all music pretty much. <laughs> My joke used to be that I like all kinds of music, every kind of music except Christian and country music. But now, you know, if there's some good country music, we all have to admit this now. Then I listened to a band on the radio and it was a Christian band. Like I Googled them. I was like, oh, fuck. I like Christian music now. <laughs> yeah, Christian music's pretty much like 90s alternative right now. <laughs> this, this, this 
strikes me, and that hits me in a way that we're, I'm going to throw Tim under the bus here because that's what I like to do. Um, <laughs> it strikes me of an argument that Tim recently had <laughs> about about whether or not people hate wheat beers or do they hate that particular beer. Tim's point of view was you may not hate all wheat beers, but you might hate the ones that you've tried. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, basically, in not trying other ones. So it was like a, I don't know, 100-plus message argument with people in our <laughs> Slack channel. I mean, it went on all morning one day. What was one of a few on? that he's done this year, by the way. He's been with us for like three months, so. <laughs> like the third firestorm so far. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, just the idea that, that, yeah, you know, that's actually a pretty good analogy. I, I see why you, why you pointed that out, but just the idea of if you say you don't like a certain genre of music or a certain uh, style of beer, but you can't really tell me what it is that you don't like about that, other than just something silly of, oh, I don't like Christian rock because I don't like the, the lyrics. Well, I don't like the lyrics of a lot of songs that I really like the song, right? And I, I think, you know, I just don't like to see anyone being afraid to branch out and try something new because they've written off an entire category of anything. For sure. Yep. And I used to, you know, joke that, like, weed has no place in beer. And you know, I'm not wild about wheat beers, but Hazy's and many other great beers have weed in them, and you have to be insane to think that weed is not. I just try to get rises out of people too, because Tim takes the bait every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that was it. it struck me of that, and and ultimately, you know, the the counter argument which you were beginning to to ask about there was that they didn't want to spend their money on a style of beer that they in general do not enjoy you know the ones that they've had they haven't enjoyed so they're just kind of blocking that whole thing off and so the the argument really came down to semantics and perspectives of of what it was you know what what the purpose of blocking that genre of beer off was not so much that if i handed them a wheat beer that person was probably going to drink it because in my world, they're probably like me. There's two types of beer, free and cold. You know, if it's free, it doesn't have to be cold. If it's cold, it doesn't have to be free. I'm going to drink it. Whether I like it or not will be determined. But, yeah. uh, you know, so it was just one of those things that, that when you said that, it struck me into that argument um, and how that, that goes down. We get a lot of that from, from Tim, but we learn a lot through it because Tim's obviously very, very smart. <laughs> And knows what he's talking about, but he gets pretty dug in. Have you noticed that? Yes. And, <laughs> and so do other people. Like the internet is obviously a place of many very strong and varied opinions, you know? So yeah, you can fucking argue about anything on the internet and it, it's kind of fun. It can be really fun if people are actually, you know, conversing. I like affectation. I like when people argue about things as long as it's kind of like good natured, you know? I think I call you affected, Tim, because you like banana beers, but I just slipped it in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm used to it. I was going to say, though, for me, as someone who doesn't like particular genres of beers, if you want to say, or flavors of, or styles of beers, it, every every style of beer has a particular 
flavor profile. Is that fair to say? See, and here's and here's I think where I get down to. No, they don't. Okay. Uh, uh, I was about to say yes, they do. So let's let's go from yeah. There. Well, so so Michael can attest that we've done this more than once at Badger Hill, where we called a beer one style of beer and it didn't sell. And then we rebranded it with a different style. And we're not the only brewery to do this. We're not novel or creative or whatever for doing this. This has been going on for, for decades in, in craft beer. And now you suddenly called it a different style. You didn't change anything about the beer other than the branding. And now it's suddenly selling because there's enough overlap in, in the flavor profiles of styles. The classic one for me is stout versus porter. Anyone who can tell you the difference between a stout versus porter is lying or doesn't understand. <laughs> I just always felt like a porter was a lighter version of a stout, but honestly, I don't know the difference. But a wheat beer is a different profile that I just can't stand. Well, a lot yeah. of that is the yeast. I mean, the wheat yeah. plays a role, but really the wheat is used more in different, with different yeast for stylistic reasons and historical reasons. And yeah, yeah. And you don't have to like them. There is no law, but um, yeah, they're, you know, I agree with you in a sense, Tim, like what's really fun is to make a beer that has unexpected qualities, you know, pleasant, hopefully. But so, you know, an orange Belgian wheat beer is not something I'm going to order, but I can imagine beautiful things coming from that beer, but I'm not going to order it. It's just not going to happen. You know, pre-pandemic, it was, you know, I like to take sips of people beer. I hand them mine because I think I want to taste these things. I don't want to sit and have to choke down a whole one necessarily. I can respect the style. I'm not necessarily going to love my second one of it, you know? Yeah, that's, that's where I get in a bind doing this show. Cause there's going to be a lot of beers that uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like that we're going to roll through. And uh, pretty much whenever I buy one, I have to buy a six pack and I don't, I'm not going to let it to go to waste. So I'm going to force myself to drink the whole six pack eventually. And uh, it'll be interesting because I know coming up, we're going to do a, a haze, hazy beer soon on the pod. And I've not once ever had a hazy beer. So, uh, you know, I might hate it. And then I've got like a six pack that I have to drink. <laughs> yeah, That's but hazy beers, hazy beers can be a wide variety of things. Like New England IPAs have a definite vast flavor profile to kind of piggyback on what we were saying before. I mean, a lot of things can be considered in New England IPA and yeah, there's, I've been some that have been really good. I've some that have been absolutely terrible. And like I take one sip and even though I bought a six pack, I just pour it right out because pouring out and wasting my money is better than trying to finish it. Yeah, it's sort of like you say you like rock and roll, and I can be like, well, do you like this? And you play me a shitty fucking rock and roll record, <laughs> and it's going to be, no, like rock and roll does not mean you like every fucking man, you know? Yeah. And certainly there's a lot of rares in there. But Tim, just to argue for our podcast listeners' entertainment, like if you're going to make a Martin or a Pilsner or some of these beers, like there's absolutely stylistic things that you want to demonstrate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there, there, I, I wouldn't say that you can completely throw style out. I just think uh, most people, particularly when they don't really know, I mean, if we took a beer that we called a hoppy wheat and then rebranded it as uh, a hazy IPA and suddenly it started selling and we didn't even change it, we definitely didn't change the, the yeast. The yeast was always American ale yeast. It's a, it was a great beer and people were missing out on it because they had decided they didn't like 
wheat beers, and so they were going to go ahead and throw that out. Uh, because we called it, and that was my decision to call it a hoppy wheat the first time, because that's how I designed it, to your point about styles and things you want to hit. And I thought it was a great hoppy wheat. No one drank it. Change the style name, suddenly everybody drank it. I think that is, is probably the, the, the point that I would make is that, yes, there's a difference between a Mertzen and a Pilsner and, and a Porter, but they're probably, they're not as clearly delineated as I think. You know, we go through and we have all these BJCP guidelines and things like that, but you read the BJCP guidelines on like three or four different styles and they all be very depressing. Yeah. This is a great beer. This is a fantastic beer. We love this beer. Doesn't fit the style. You don't make the cut. And you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? If that's yeah. how we think about this, it's like saying like, that's the best song here, but it doesn't win because it's not got enough, you know, lead guitar. Well, and there was sensing too much agreement here, Tim. <laughs> there was a, <laughs> There was a there was a contest a little while ago where uh, the I don't remember which brewery it was a brewery in Chicago that actually had to send back their medal because they realized the wrong beer got submitted and so the wrong beer won so a beer that wasn't in a category <laughs> they submitted and won that category. <laughs> And then when they realized their mistake, they went, we have to send back this medal. This isn't right. Our beer just won a medal for a category it doesn't even belong to. So that's to me. And those are, that's tasted by, you know, like certified Cicerones and people that are doing beer judges and, you know, BJCP judges. People, the experts that should supposedly know these things. And if the experts can't even tell if something is, is out of the style, that's where I kind of feel like I don't, for a lay person to adhere tightly to styles when even experts can't do it seems a little silly. Totally. And that relates to what you were saying earlier. Like if you tell people like, especially judges where it's kind of blind, they can't really see the color or I don't know, they don't know what it is. Like you tell them it's a certain thing. They're going to think it's that thing and they're going to taste it as if it's that thing. And that's just like human nature, which is why like sensory is so hard. Judging beers is impossibly hard because of crap like that. No, well, yeah, and when you do that as a taste test, you're once you know what style it's supposed to be, then you are you are specifically looking for those things that are supposed to be in the style, whether they're the prominent thing or not. But that's what you're looking for, and you're kind of glossing over everything else. Uh, that's the same in barbecue competitions or anything else that you're looking at. You know, you, the judges are looking for the specifics, even though it, the, that may not be the prominent or what makes it great. Or, or terrible, for that matter, because I could make a dunkel and I guarantee you it's terrible. <laughs> but I'm but I'm going to drink it because you've proven you're cheap throughout the that's Right, <laughs> that is right. If I put the effort into it, I'm going to drink it. Because we get used to throwing away beer, so I want to say like, throw away the other five of the six pack you do not like. That's the message I want to send to you. <laughs> Uh, I can always give him to my neighbor. He's a super fierce snob if I really can't stand something. So. What's a Cicerone? A uh, Chicharone is a, it's a type of food. No, no. <laughs> Cicerone, you're saying something about a beer expert. I guess that's a term I hadn't heard yet, maybe before. Yeah, it's kind of like a sommelier for beer, essentially. 
So okay. the certification process and, and three different levels that you can go through. I, it involves a lot of blind tasting to be able to pick out all flavors, being able to, in theory, taste a beer blind and say what style it is, uh, which, again, doesn't always work out well. But uh, it's the it's the quote-unquote expert, the, the, the sommelier for beer. So it's kind of like the, if you have in food, you got chefs, you got different level chefs, this would be for beer, the equivalent of that maybe? It's, it was, it, it's not, yeah, it's for more like tasting, not necessarily for production. Okay, okay, gotcha. Seven-minute so, lag. <laughs> so, but speaking of the, the, the production side, and we talked about this in one of our very first pods, Michael, um, at Badger Hill, and we talked about how many beers should you have in your tap room on tap at any one time. How many do you currently have or would normally have if not for coronavirus and stuff? How many tap lines do you have? 12 maybe, something like that? 10? Uh, yeah, there's what? There's 11 on the main tower and four on the back wall, but water and seltzer and root beer are on there, so yeah. I would say four. like eight to ten is kind of a sweet spot for us, and it kind of goes up and down a little bit. But you know, with and I'll, if you have a follow up, but like with the tap room, we want something for everyone because like what brings people there is like beer lovers, and the people that get dragged along are trying to figure out what they can drink. So we've got you know a sour, a hard seltzer, and then a wide range of beers so they can kind of try them out. But really, it's you know, hoppy beers that move the needle for us and peanut butter beers. But um, what was what were you guys talking about on your podcast about that? You guys not say the word podcast or something? Oh, no, we do. Um, no, no, yeah, no. No, we, uh, <laughs> we, we totally, we don't pay attention to any of that. We figure once we get a letter, we might care. Um, don't get but, yeah. Uh, no, we were talking about it because we, you know, in the very first pod, we were just talking in general, kind of how to how do tap rooms and stuff draw in people, and how do you keep people there? Because that's the idea, right? You want to want them to find something they like, and how many varieties should you carry? You know, you said you're a, an IPA guy and you like hoppy beers, and if everything was all of that, that would negate a large segment of the potential client base. So, sure. you know. We, we try to cover all of that stuff besides just being ridiculous. We try to actually talk about some serious stuff too once in a while. <laughs> One of the things that we can get into uh, as well as we talk about the business side is, you know, it probably is timely for you to kind of talk about what you're feeling and seeing in the current pandemic. And since you don't have a, a tap room open right now and you have limited number of taps right now that it's even feasible to, to have running since you're relying on growler sales. I think it would be interesting to kind of have you give a little update on that too. Yeah, it's been really weird because, um, you know, I thought we would die when they said we have to close for an undetermined amount of time. And then with, and I don't know if it's different in Washington or Iowa, but, you know, being able to, to, to go, which for us means growlers, we had a huge outpouring of support from the community. And part of that is because they need beer. Like they want to buy beer, but you have to decide to come to Badger Hill. People are trying to keep us alive and it's you know very gratifying. And I hope all breweries and all 
businesses are experiencing some of this, where we had a lot of people coming in for growlers. Blood Orange Trader became our most best-selling beer. It's a great beer. It's always a popular beer, but unquestionably, when people started buying growlers to bring home, who, who maybe normally didn't, you know, I think we're getting new growler buyers in, in a sense in this weird pandemic economy. You know, their <clears throat> price is not really the object. They want the right beer. And I agree with this mindset, like get the right beer. You know, it's not a quantity thing, more a quality thing, but we're also trying to keep things new in growlers as well. Cause in a sense, a lot of our mission, like a lot of companies is just giving people something to talk about and you know, innovating, doing new things. So it's also interesting being a distribution brewery, which is like a terrible business model. Like it's really hard to make money distributing beer to liquor stores and bars and restaurants because, you know, we have Anheuser-Busch and all these co- giant companies trying to eat our lunch. We've got the Teamsters, the liquor manufacturers and our distributors, like all working against us kind of. It's very hard to make money in distribution unless you really get above, I don't know, 20, 30,000 barrels, probably when you're at a thousand barrels or 5,000 barrels, it's fucking hard. But now that bars and restaurants are closed, you know, people are buying liquor stores out of beer and breweries like mine that are in distribution, whether it's smart or not, are shipping cans out, you know? So the taproom only model, it's a terrible model right now, unfortunately, because you know, they've only, they only have half the revenue essentially of a distribution brewery. It's crazy times. And I hope it ends, you know, we can get back to fighting the normal fights, but <laughs> our liquor laws are terrible in this, in the state of Minnesota. And I won't go deep into that, but it makes it extra hard that our, our liquor laws are just fucking terrible. Well, maybe that can be your next career path, you know, politician to change the liquor laws. Exactly. That's my joke. It's like it's time to start manipulating government. That's he has way too many uh, skeletons in his closet to actually be a politician. He could maybe hey. be a politician. Hey, I really don't think that matters anymore. You guys <laughs> Look at selected. the people in power right now. It really doesn't matter how many skeletons you have in your closet. <laughs> Yeah. You elected Jesse Ventura. That's all I got to say about it. No, we ran the reality show politician experiment. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but that sets the bar They're pretty low. All you got to do is be better than that, right? Exactly. And, I used you know, to be I, Jesse the body. Now I'm Jesse the mind Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to alienate your listeners, but we managed to do worse than Jesse Ventura at the worst time in our country's history. It's very interesting. <laughs> they should not in Michigan. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. So, um, of the, the beers that you guys have produced over the years now, uh, going on six years, I guess you said, what is, we know what Tim's favorite is, but what, what, what's your favorite beer that you guys have produced? That's a great question. It's sort of like, you know, they joke like, which is your favorite kid? And it's like, that one, like I just, not you, not you, not you, that one. Like I'm willing to do that. A lot of people are. <laughs> I wouldn't. With we, we've already established you don't even know how old your kids are. So, so that one's not time. the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the only beer that I really formulated was Trader IPA, which has been historically our best selling one because it has the words IPNA on it, you know, and it's a great beer. I'm very, very proud of that beer. It's boozy. It's like 7%. You can't drink it from morning, noon, and night and stay functional. So Turncoat is my favorite beer that we make, which is the beer I was talking about earlier, like a nice, light, beautiful, easy drinking pale ale. And I don't know why we don't use the word pale ale more. Like 
IPA can be 1% alcohol or 20% alcohol. And in here is this thing called pale ale, which is, in my opinion, the best fucking style of beer there is. Because it doesn't get you wasted in the second beer. And it's tight, hoppy, and light, and it's beautiful. But I could consider this a pale ale, but what do we call it? We call it a, a juicy IPA. Juicy IPA. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's because pale ale, for whatever reason, became... Well, first of all, it's because people either always wanted to compare it here locally to Summit or, you know, other places to Sierra Nevada, which are definitely maltier, you know, caramel malt driven type of, of, of beers. And so I think that for one is a challenge and two, it's because pale ale just became kind of a, a, a poison term. Uh, but again, to my point, if you call something the right style name, it doesn't really matter what the freaking style guidelines are for that beer. People are going to buy it. And like, I understand this. Like if you go to some new brewery, like if you're me and you want the best hoppy beer, you're looking for the letters IPA, you know, because that's probably the one that I can safely put my money on. Like the people you were arguing with about wheat beers. It's like, no, I don't want to buy a beer. That's not my favorite in a sense. Yeah, that IPA is almost like a tag of like, this is hoppy. That's really what IPA means now. It's like, this is super hoppy. Just oh, about don't, all. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't get Tim started on the term hoppy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it is, it has become a shorthand for a lot of hops. I once <laughs> saw a beer that had lactose, uh, botanomyces, <laughs> and uh and just a shit ton of fruit, and they called that thing an IPA, and I'm like, there's nothing IPA about that. And then it has a lot of hops, but that's kind of become the shorthand for everyone, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the business side of it is always really interesting to me, and all this stuff, uh, because, you know, I'm a sales guy, and the business side of it is important, but uh, we need to get to the drinking side of this. Yeah. Uh, so our beer this week is, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Stone IPA. Uh, we're going to crack those. We're going to take a short commercial break here to plug our sponsor. Also here in the middle, we want to make sure that uh, you subscribe and listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and any of those places, Blog Talk Radio. Um, also, check out the other podcasts on the Tailgate Society uh, there's a lot of great content over there, sports and corks, and uh, we're not that drunk. And matinee uh, baseball is a good one. Um, what's the new Harry Potter one? Culture uh, check. Culture check. They just started here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, lots of really good podcasts. Check them all out, and uh, we will be right back to inhale some Stone IPA. This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. All right. 
right, and and welcome back again. We have Stone IPA. Tim, tell us a little bit about the brewery and the beer to start. So Stone is definitely one of those breweries that's that I, is I would say newer than some of the other breweries we've talked about, uh, but is still one of the more well-established craft beer brands in in the country. It's certainly one of those where where uh, Greg Cook, uh, the the founder of Stone, used to really make a reputation by saying that they didn't like fizzy yellow beer, and they really wanted to to make uh, kind of audacious beers, certainly audacious beers for the time that their kind of their their flagship is called Arrogant Bastard. So that's everything <laughs> you need to know uh, about that brewery. Really, Michael and I actually had. The, the fortunate pleasure of brewing Arrogant Bastard is sort of a, an adoption beer. I'm actually drinking out of our co-branded stove, Stone and Badger Hill Glass right now. Nice. Um, and Greg's wife or girlfriend or whatever is actually from Minnesota. So he actually came by the brewery and got to try it and, and gave us the, the seal of approval on our job with that. But uh, We have that nice picture of us all together. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was also unfortunate because, like, all of a sudden, that was like the one day that, for whatever reason, a bat got into the brewery or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was just ill-timed. But and so, yeah, so Stone is one of those. They have you know multiple locations. They're they're big beer gardens in San Diego. I for a while there, they actually had Stone Berlin, although they've recently sold that off, trying to trying to make a a move of getting American craft beer going into Europe. But Stone IPA is one of those that I would say when you think about uh, classic American West Coast IPA type of, of of that beer where it's not you know hazy and it's not necessarily super juicy and it's 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 actually trying to, to feel pretty aggressive with the with the hops. It's one of those that that's kind of set the standard in a lot of ways. I know, Michael, this is one of your favorites. Do you have any other kind of things you want to just say to tee up before we actually taste this thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of my thoughts are more about the brewery than this particular beer. I love Stone IPA, but I think it's just been a great brewery. It's privately owned by the two guys that started it. I guess off the record, but but um, Greg said they basically turned down the Ballast Point offer. They were offering a fuck ton of money for that brewery. And they stayed the course because it's what they do. It's their passion. And I just think they're a great brewery. Like Sierra Nevada, Stone, you know, Summit. There's some just some really great companies out there. And I just think Stone's a great company. I've been to their beer gardens in San Diego and they're fantastic. The beer's fantastic. The food's fantastic. They're just top it's just a top notch brewery in my opinion. Yeah. And this this beer's been around since I think ninety seven, I believe. So it's definitely one of those beers that has also stood the test of time, although not, you know, maybe as long as some of those other beers we were tasting, but it is something that's been around for, for, you know, 20, whatever years and, and, and continues to, to be kind of a standard bear for that West coast style IPA. Puts it in the ballpark of uh fat tire, which we did last week. Of yeah. When it- when it came out. So it's that same sort of generation maybe of craft beer. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to try this. 
because I've never had this one actually. I've had a lot of beers, but not not this one. So I did not drink one pre gaming the podcast just because I hadn't had it. <laughs> All right, well, so we'll go through kind of our, our typical style. First of all, we talk about appearance. You know, I'm certainly seeing, like I had mentioned, this is not a, a hazy beer by any means. This is meant to be a bright, clean beer. What are you guys kind of seeing? It's not hazy, but it's certainly not as clear as some of the beers we've already drank. Uh, it's somewhere in between. But, yeah, it definitely doesn't look like the other beers, which she kind of hinted on the fact they didn't want it to look like another beer. Uh, they wanted to look not typical, and I can kind of see the mission accomplished on that. Maybe. Cool. So then we move, kind of move into aroma. Oh, and oh, Aaron, what do you have to say? Looks like beer. <laughs> Good. That was the deep dive. Yeah, that was, that was a great nugget. I'm so glad that I I stopped to get your opinion there. Uh, <laughs> glad I could help. Yeah. What are you getting kind of out of that aroma then, as as you're sticking your nose into that thing? I'm living vicariously through you guys because my liquor store closes at five o'clock because of COVID-19 and the logic there escapes me. But so I'm really curious to see how you guys are going to describe this. I've got a terrible sense of smell because I got really bad allergies. So maybe Aaron should start this one. Um, it is just a, there's there's maybe just a bit of a uh, a bitter sort of sure. smell to it. It doesn't obviously smell. It, it's probably maybe what closer to, and I know they're not the same, and um, the dummy here, so take that with a grain of salt. But it's probably closer to what Peroni should smell like if you got it out of a tap. Maybe strong, stronger, <laughs> as opposed to getting it out of a green bottle where it's been light struck. Um, but it's a stronger smell. It's not. It's not as subtle. It's definitely. It kind of punches you in the face with the aroma, but it's not a. It's it's not a horrible overpowering smell, but it is. You know, it's definitely there. You get a good whiff of it. Yeah, I get, so I get a couple things when I get that. And, you know, that bitterness, I think this thing is something like 70-ish IBUs. It's pretty similar, honestly, uh, to Trader kind of in terms of stats, Michael. I think it's like 6.9 or 7% around 70 IBUs. It's definitely got that. It doesn't have the, the, you know, that hint of caramel that you put into Trader, but it definitely has that, uh, that, kind of Chinook, almost piney, resin resiny type of of aroma in there. But I also kind of get lemon, maybe uh, fruity, kind of cereal type of, of aroma on it as well. Fruity pebbles? Uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, Is yours oxidized, Tim? Uh, so I'm on my second. My first one was out of a can. The second one is out of a bottle and it's a little bit older. And I would say that the the older bottle one has probably a hint of oxidation in there. The can is was packaged in uh oh yeah it was it was packaged in, in April, so it, it wasn't oxidized at all in any way, shape, or form. The bottle was from 
February and maybe has a hint, but not really. I, again, kind of like what you said, it's, it's one of those things where, you're, where they're just pro enough that you're not going to worry about it. I want to I want to circle to something here, Tim, that I kind of just realized and maybe we haven't talked about before. And you've thrown the term out a few times, IBUs. Sure. Uh, I don't know that we've ever defined what that is because it does tie into where the name of the podcast come from, came from. Sure. So what, what is an IBU? IBU is a measurement common in beer called uh, International Bitterness Units. Uh, the idea being, in theory, it's kind of telling you, oh, this is a really kind of bitter or hop-forward type of beer. I've always kind of considered it to be slightly misleading because if you think about uh, if I give you a cup of coffee and you take it black and I give JT a cup of coffee and he takes it with cream, well, that underlying coffee has the same amount of bitterness, but his with cream does not taste nearly as bitter. So if you have a, if you have a beer that can be 70 IBUs, but be, uh, you know, enhanced by a higher finishing gravity or by other things in that beer, you're maybe not going to necessarily notice uh, that and identify it as, as perceived bitterness. The other thing is, is we made uh, a, a double IPA that uh, supply drop. What was it like 18 IBUs? Michael? Something like that. Yeah. It was fucking brilliant. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was a very low IBU beer, but it was really hoppy, as people like to talk two about. Two regimes of hops, and I don't know if you talk through those or if you want to. But yeah, <laughs> really, what IBU kind of stands for? It's it's the it's the kind of amount of alpha acids from hops that are isomerized during the boil. So just a fancy way of saying how much bitterness did you add from hops as opposed to kind of those flavor and aroma hops which aren't really contributing to to the, the bitterness units as well michael you seem like you want to say something else there well i love talking about this stuff but whether it needs to be said i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay so well, anyway. you know, we, we are here to try to learn or to learn me about beer because i'm the idiot uh, i just drink it i don't know much about it so i i enjoy learning about it uh like you said you're always learning constantly learning well this is my current i'm gonna learn about this while i do this pod thing so yeah so i'll chuck in like you know with hops there's two main things we get out of it acid and oil and acid you can boil the longer you boil the hops the more acid you're gonna get out of it that acid when boiled becomes dissolvable in beer and and adds bitterness so it's the flavor part of the bitterness in beer the oil is really volatile. You can't boil it at all. We, we want to put most of it in cold, and that gets the aroma side of the beer. We spend a fortune, and Stone and others spend a fortune on the aroma side of beer, which is highly volatile. That's why we can smell it. That's why it's pungent is because it's leaving the beer, you know? So some people think of hops as one flavor type of addition, but it's really at least two. And the alpha acid side, the bittering side, is very scientific. We can you know, put in the right exact amount of bitterness that we want. And it's sort of like parts per million of this alpha acid dissolved in the beer. And it's scientifically quantifiable like that. The oil side is the wild, wild west. Like we don't even, most people don't even tell us what's in the hop. We have to throw a fuck ton of hops in to get that oil out. We don't know how much oil we got out. 
we don't know how long it's going to stay in there if we're going to scrub it out when we filter and all this other stuff so um the bittering unit part is like the quantifiable side and that's why we quantify it the aroma side is much more kind of difficult yeah hops definitely have uh terroir kind of like grapes like where they're grown how they're grown what the climate was like uh all those types of things can play a factor and we might even get the same house from the same supplier and this batch of citra is nothing like that batch of citra and uh it's interesting to see kind of how that plays out but it also makes it one of the more challenging things to kind of have a more consistent product when that happens for sure it's hilarious if you go like, how much alpha acid, they, we don't talk in these terms, or how much alpha acid do you put in your beer? 290 ppm or whatever. That's not the right number. How much oil did you put in? No fucking idea. No fucking <laughs> clue. I don't know a brewer that really knows how much, you know, essential oil goes in their beer. It's really harder to quantify. Yeah. So, all right. All right. So, now we've kind of covered aroma. <laughs> what are you guys getting from taste? <laughs> we kind of covered taste, mouthfeel, and finish all kind of collectively since they all kind of go hand in hand. Keep drinking. Need more. <laughs> there we go. Let me do one more step. One more. <laughs> I was gonna say, I can see you kind of chewing on that while, while you're drinking again. Aaron, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah. Um, it is, you can kill me later, but <laughs> it's definitely hoppier or more, <laughs> more hop forward. Sure. Uh, than most beers that I would drink. Um, with the first sip, um, really kind of gives me the, the shivers when I drink it. It's like, oh, that's, you know, a little bit stout. Sometimes like the first drink of a really stiff whiskey drink, if you're not drinking it straight or whatever, you get that little bit of a, you know, shake to it. And like, okay. And then you drink it again and it dulls out a little bit. Um, it's good. I mean, the flavor is, is good. Um, it's not, definitely not sweet. I don't think it's sweet. I don't taste any kind of real sweetness to it. Um, but I wouldn't call it, you know, you remember the old bitter beer face commercials back in the day where the guys, you know, it's definitely not that either. It's pretty smooth. Um, mouthfeel is, is good. It, it finishes pretty clean. I don't notice any a ton of residual. Um, textures or anything like that. So that's different than say the multi fat tire that we had last week, um, which left that that bit of a feel in the mouth. But this is really clean. I I like it. It's good beer. Yeah, to kind of pony uh, piggyback off that, there there isn't a long aftertaste on this. <clears throat> it's definitely got a little bit of pininess to it. Maybe a little bit of bitter. It doesn't really, you know, it, it's a strong taste without kind of punching you in the mouth, but it's good. But, yeah, it, it definitely, as like I said last week, it's kind of consistent through the flavor from when you first put it on your tongue until you drink it, till you gulp, and then afterwards it stays pretty much the same as far as the flavor goes. It's, it's yeah, it's very good. It's something you could drink pretty much all year long and not have to worry about it. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one of those beers that it, it definitely has a little bit maybe fuller body when you're sitting there at 70 IPUs. You need to have a little bit of something to kind of help cut through all that bitterness. So it probably finishes a, a, a little less dry than some of the other beers that we've had thus far. And 
is definitely something one of those where you can get drinking a beer like this you can get palate fatigue i honestly don't know how beer judges at great american beer festival or any of those other world beer cup how they how they handle judging the the ipa category because after like your first five you start to get palate fatigue and i don't i don't understand how you can be a good arbiter of that quality but it is is definitely some of those where i think you could probably start to get that if you're if you're drinking uh three or four of those i certainly wouldn't drink a couple of these and then go to a pilsner and think i'm going to get any nuance out of it (laughs) Uh, but it's it's again it's it's a a classic for a reason and uh yeah again those i don't know what i know they've changed the hops over the years in this i know it's chinook and centennial i think there's a zaka uh mojoica uh big secret maybe i think is in it now i don't it, you know some of those hops weren't even around in, in 1997 so i know that's changed but uh it's definitely something where you are getting that that citrus and pine and, and maybe tropical not not as tropical as, as say uh trader again but it's definitely something that we're they're getting it um michael you, you don't you don't have it but do you have any other thoughts kind of on this beer that i know you've had several of no i i love that beer it's to me it's in the category of sort of like sierra nevada paleo which is like a rock that you can like if you're in some shitty bar and you don't know what's going to be good and they have stone you're like thank you jesus you know it's a great solid beautiful beer as long as it's fresh and I'm not about freshness, just being in the business, like you just get jaded on knowing a beer is good and it tastes shitty because it's old. So, um, and stone is going to be as good as anyone in that metric, but no, it, it reminds me of trader and I'm surprised to hear you describe it. And trader IPA is the beer we make and it's our benchmark or my benchmark in a way, but surprised you described it as less malty because trader barely has that. And there's that little roundness, kind of, but you don't get any of that sort of maltiness in the spear tin in stone. I, I don't think I get what I get out of, of Trader, and I had some Trader as recently as yesterday, but it does have a very kind of similar I think part of what does it for me with Trader is just because there's those uh, some of those fruitier hops. I know, you know, we started with Galaxy, we Got Citra in there now. That probably tends to accentuate the 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 multi finish, and and I'm guessing it probably has maybe a slightly higher terminal gravity than than this. But I, I don't know. This one does definitely has a good amount of body to it, though, too for for what it is. Yeah, this is uh, IPAs are not not necessarily my thing um, when it comes to beer because I'm not a huge fan of that bitter, hoppy, super hoppy flavor. This is forward. I mean, it's there, but I could see sitting on a patio drinking two or three of these with a meal and being pretty happy about it. Um, But yeah, I don't think I could drink five or six. And I can drink a lot of lot of booze, as you guys <laughs> as you guys well know. Uh, yeah. But but not. I don't think my stomach and uh, I think I would get that full feeling from this because it is a very full beer. You know, you'd get. I just don't think you could drink a case of this like I used to say Budweiser, Bud Light back in the day. 
fuck no. It's also, it's also one of those, you, you talk about drinking it on a patio. I, I had it on a, uh, sitting in the backyard the other day in, in a pint glass. It's definitely something with all of those hops, you're going to get light struck. And I noticed that that 3MBT, that light struck, that thing we talked about with Peroni, uh, I got that pretty quickly. I wasn't, you know, even halfway through the beer when I could definitely tell that it got light struck pretty hard. No, that takes seconds, I swear to God. Like, direct sunlight will ruin a beer in seconds. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, but I could I could sit there and eat a bratwurst with some sauerkraut. <laughs> and during, now I'm just daydreaming about the days when we can do that shit again. Uh, you know. Soon enough. It just yeah. kind of strikes me as funny. It's sort of like you guys are reviewing the like the Beatles or something. Or like, yeah, this band seems pretty good. I think they're going to do well. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great fucking beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm probably wrong in everything I say. Oh no, I, it's fine. Mock me. I don't. I, I don't care. Um, but uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know whether I like something or not. This is pretty good. So I haven't had a beer yet that I have. I, I've said, no, I won't drink that again. You know, so maybe it's because I'm a whore for beer, but uh, who knows? We'll find out the longer we keep doing this. Well, you passed important <laughs> tests today. You like stone IPAs, and that's good. Oh, uh, <laughs> Michael's seal of approval. <laughs> and Michael, you had, you had said once that Prince... Uh, asked you if you're a genius, are you always a genius or something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of think about that uh, in terms of these these beers, these staples of American craft brewing, because some of them, like Anchor Steam is a very good beer, but it has definitely gone to the wayside. Fat Tire has even gone to the wayside, but something like Stone uh, has stood the test, you know, even more. It's still relevant. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is still very kind of relevant. Um, so it it kind of makes me think about that 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 there's some of those things of this was great once. Is it still going to be like the Beatles years later considered great type of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, it's not Stone's best beer in my opinion. Like they make a lot of great beers, and it's just it's solid. I just have to like inject the story. It's not a story, but like, you know, their beer called enjoy by where the name of the beer says like enjoy by four fifteen twenty twenty. Like they call out the liquor stores, the distributors, everyone in the fucking chain and say like, this beer has to be sold by this date. Cause we're putting it as the name of the fucking beer. Like that's how ballsy they are. They're like freshness counts. And if you don't drink this beer by the, t- the name of the beer, they name the beer, the freshness date. Like it's just incredibly ballsy and it's incredibly good beer. If you get that beer fresh, enjoy by, and I'll say still do enjoy by it, yeah. but yeah. It's, it's tremendously good. And they play around with the recipes. It's not the same beer every time, but so, you know, stone is absolutely not riding on their laurels with stone IPA. They're innovating every fucking day. Like we all are trying to do. You know, I guess as good a place as any to kind of start winding down here. Um, Again, really good beer, really solid. I like it. I think JT, you're on board. Um, I'm pretty sure that Michael would find us if we weren't the way it sounds. I'd be like, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) be blasting us on social media. Like, don't listen to these guys. They don't know shit. (laughs) But, uh, 
Yeah, and so anything we've covered that you want to hit back on, JT or Tim, before we we let Michael go, um, you know, anything that we passed uh, through that we touched on, but maybe you want a little more on or anything like that? No, I think we covered it pretty darn well. Apparently, I had one of these last night during our uh, Slack meeting last night, our Zoom meeting, or apparently, apparently, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember it at all. I remember waking up today feeling like absolute crap, but yeah, but no, it's a very good beer. <clears throat> we haven't had a bad beer yet. Thank God we didn't have to use a half of ice since I can say that. Uh, but no, I think we covered everything, and I, 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 kind, I kind of feel like we should have Michael on again sometime soon. I'd love to. It's been awesome being with you guys. I think it's hilarious and keep up the good work. Well, what, one of these days we're going to figure out uh, how to get me some Badger Hill and yeah. we'll have gone with one of your own beers so that when I say something really dumb, you can like jump down my throat because that'll make for great content. Yeah, it's great, great <laughs> audio. Yeah. No, we should FedEx him some beer and then drink some Badger Hill. Some yeast samples, yeah. some yeast samples, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But, uh, and then also, I know whenever I get back to to uh, Minnesota again for the home office, which I'm sure eventually I'll have to come back because maybe it'll be when they fire me. I'm not sure, but. Uh, <laughs> Turn your keys in. <laughs> yeah, you know, because uh, we're in. Let's see, Shakopee is north or south? Southwest. That's, that's what I was thinking. So our, our home office is in Bloomington. So. Yeah, it's not too far. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, so. used to ri- I used to ride my bike from, I lived in Bloomington, I used to ride my bike to the brewery. So Yeah, that's. I was thinking it was, but I've only been back up there a few times. So, uh, yeah, but I'll definitely get, get down there the next time because uh, I've got people that always want to go out with me that work in the office. And I'll drag them down there. So, we like, hey, we're going down here. <laughs> You'll leave with beer. And then we're going to make sure that we let Michael know we're coming. 100% uh, agree with JT. Uh, Michael, it has been fantastic. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm oh, 100% on board. Really getting into the weeds on some of the more technical stuff and beer uh, sometime and, and maybe that's a longer pod to hit cast so that we can let everybody know when we're going to do that and get real technical for the, for the real nerds of the world that want to know that stuff. Um, Cause I'm sure that's a long conversation if it, if we get there. So, uh, but super appreciative of you coming on. Um, since Tim has uh, known you the longest, obviously we're going to let Tim have the last word this week for once. <laughs> I only make a good the last word. <laughs> no, I, I I think we have a lot of things. Michael and I could obviously talk for hours on end. We've recorded plenty of stupid videos over the years where we bullshit about God knows what. But I, I think we've also only scratched the surface with everything that we could ask Michael and talk to Michael about beer-related or non-beer-related, too. He is only a, one. Yeah, Prince has only mentioned well, no, one. So. Twice. Okay. Uh, so Prince, 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 Prince. But uh, yeah, <laughs> those in. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot of things that, that, that we could talk about. Michael is a wealth of useless information. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is I, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely have you back on if you ever want to sit in. Please, please let us know. Uh, but again. 
thank you everyone as well. Again, like Aaron said, there are some fantastic podcasts out in the TGS universe, so please make sure you're checking out all of our fellow contributors and content creators and uh, again, Sports and Quarks, Matinee Baseball, Culture Check, We're Not That Drunk, Drunk Dialing. Oh, Michael, you should call into Drunk Dialing sometime. That would be fun. That would be fun. Right, <laughs> Are we going out tomorrow night, maybe? Uh, maybe, maybe, okay. Michael. I'll, I'll let you know. So, No, absolutely. Sounds like fun podcast. I like We're Not That Drunk. Like, that's a brilliant podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it gets pretty ugly sometimes. I mean, it's uh, it's a good time. So, well, thanks again, you guys. I really appreciate it. It was super fun. Yeah, no, thanks again. And uh, I lied. I'm going to take the last word. Don't forget about Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce, the best goddamn barbecue sauce in the known universe. Get it on in. and in Fairway on and in <laughs> Fairway. Uh, all the other places I've said before. Hi V, Amazon Prime. Locally Local, market. Yeah, com. Um, so get it in all those places uh, because it's awesome. And once again, last thing, thank you to Mr. David Graff, who has been quiet this week a little bit back there doing our producing. Uh, once again, he's the guy that holds it all together, so we really appreciate you. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, we will see you next time.